0: Hey team. Good morning. Happy Monday. Here's another episode. BSC coming at you. We've got Nadine Wheelhouse on the podcast today. Sorry for my slightly raspy voice. Promise it is not like that in the episode. So keep it short and sweet here. Nadine is a ski instructor that has worked all across the world. She's super rad here to dispel some myths and perceptions about ski instructing. So we'll get right into this one after a quick ad and do not forget to review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Give us a review. We love you for it. And hope you all have a good Monday. This episode is brought to you by Mirror Energy. Whether you are Alpine Star, Dawn Patroller, or a leisure skier heading up to the gondola, it's 2 p.m. at the, in the afternoon for your first lap, Muir has something for you. So these energy products use simple ingredients and whole foods to create nutrient-dense energy gels. There's several options here. You can have a fast-burning gel, which is going to be fruit-based, easy to digest, give you that quick hit when you need a pick me up because nobody likes to bonk. They have slow burning gels, which are gonna give you that more sustained for your longer longer activities, bigger days, caffeinated gels, as well as uh, some hydration products. And we're gonna help you out with this We've got a discount code out of bounds that is all capital letters and no spaces to use for 10% off all the products on Muir's website, M-U-I-R, energy. So Muir discount code is out of bounds. And we just want you to get out there, get after it, and keep yourself fueled properly for these adventures.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Nadine, why don't you tell us a bit about yourself? How,
2: How are I'm- you? So I grew up, well, actually, I'm from the UK originally. That's where I call home, I guess. Um, I grew up skiing over in France um, since I was like seven years old. Grew up skiing in a really small resort called Puy saint Vincent, And then when I was 18, I decided I didn't want to go to college anymore. I didn't want to go to uni and do all that kind of didn't know what I wanted to do at uni so I was like why don't I look into doing ski instructing and apparently I decided to do that ages ago I told my family that I wanted to be a ski instructor I don't remember this but they said that that's what I wanted to do and I aspired to be so I looked into doing um, ski instructing courses and I found one that was in Banff um, in Canada and I was like cool this looks fun you go out there for three months uh, train to be an instructor And then you do your level one and your level two. And once you've like trained and sat the exams then you're qualified as an instructor and you can kind of go off wherever you want in the world and teach. So I went off and did that. And then since then, I've kind of travelled all over the world. I've been to Japan, America, Georgia, just gone. And then I'm due to go to New Zealand in like less than a month's time to do their season out there as well. So Yeah, I've been bit all over the place with the instructing side of things which has been fun
0: yeah. did you ever instruct in Canada or just
2: did the course oh yeah there? and Canada as well <laughs> so, oh. so there's too many places oh yeah, I, you're at Big White right yeah it was at Big White for two seasons up there and then when COVID hit we ended up going to Vancouver um, and just kind of hung out there for a year and we skied at Whistler and um, the local mountains around Vancouver for just like fun for that season. We didn't teach that year. But yeah, so kind of gone all over with instructing. that has been fun.
1: Amazing. And what was it for you that was like, I mean, I guess two part question. What was it that made you want to become an instructor? And then what is it about instructing that keeps you doing it?
2: I think what made me want to become an instructor was I guess I always loved skiing growing up like for me it was like so much fun and I think when I was 18 and I didn't know what I wanted to do like everyone else was going off to university and that was just like the set thing to for us to do in the UK and I was like I don't want to do that that's not what I want to do I don't want to end up in like an office job type thing so I was thinking about what I wanted to do and I was like I really love skiing so I'm going to go and give it a go. And when I actually got out there and started doing the ski instructing, I kind of saw a whole different side to it. Like I used to love having ski lessons when I was a kid and growing up in France and doing like ski school and everything with all of them. there was like awesome and so much fun. And I think from having good experiences with that and like having instructors, that I remember from when I was a kid, it made me want to go on and do that. And that's what I wanted to do when I was growing up, up and did that as a job. And then from then on from me carrying on doing it I guess it's just like it means I can travel all over but I've still got work like I can go pretty much wherever in the world and there's always a ski resort there and places to ski like this season going to Georgia I would have never have gone there had it not been for ski instructing like I would have never have come across (laughs) that like country even or like traveled there if it wasn't for ski instructing so it's really opened up a lot for me and it's yeah it's great and the people I meet as well are great I've made so many friends for life through ski instructing which has been awesome
0: yeah have you ever been to New Zealand before or is this your first time
2: this is going to be my first time teaching and instructing I went there on a like week's holiday when I was nannying for a family when I worked for a family in Australia I went out there for a week's holiday but I've not taught out there yet or anything so I'm super excited to get out there
0: I loved New Zealand but I guess what I'm, or I'm going with here is this will be your first winter instructing as well yeah so like back yeah. to back winter so what do you normally do in the summer then
2: so normally in the summer it kind of has varied over the years when I was in Canada I worked up at Big White in the in the winter and then for the summer I came down to Kelowna and I worked in one of the wineries there called Mission Hill. I just worked in the restaurant there which was super fun like a beautiful area to be in like super hot in the summer could go by the lake and stuff and everything which was really fun um and then other years i've kind of just jumped into like nannying jobs which has been really easy um on the off season but it's been since like 2020 we've been trying to get out to new zealand um to start doing back-to-back seasons so now i feel like once we're in the flow of things now we can actually get out there and and start doing back to backs. We're hoping to get to Japan again as well. So fingers crossed that we can go Japan, New Zealand, back and forth, it should be fun.
0: That is epic, epic. I went to New Zealand a couple years ago and I freaking loved it. The skiing there is actually quite good.
2: Yeah, so many people have said that to me that they were like, it's actually really fun. And I've seen lots of people go touring and stuff there as well, which I really want to get into.
0: Mm-hmm. Which resort are you going to be at?
2: I'm going to be at Cadrona. Okay, yeah, yeah. living out of Wanaka, working for Cadrona.
0: Yeah, Wanaka's lovely. I did do I did a day at Cadrona, but I was mostly at TC and um, Oh nice Remark's Remar- the Remarkables when I was there. But yeah, like oh, cool. all three of those resorts, and then there, there's one more there as well. Um, I can't Yes, that's yeah. it. Oh cool. Yeah, so there's like four resorts between Wanaka and Queenstown and the two yeah. places that are like what like 40 minutes away from each other it's like mm-hmm. so beautiful lakes everywhere I know so, I'm super like, excited everyone I that I New know Zealand. Zealand. it's like Canada but not Canada yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's what people have said to me and so many people are like that. I know that I've gone out there and lived there love it and they want to keep going back there as well so I'm like Hoping and holding out. Well, I'm sure that I'm going to love it as well. I'm just excited to get out there and see what it's actually all about.
0: Mm-hmm. And now doing back to back winters, like ski instructing is going to be your full time career. So, yeah. if that's how you make it as a ski instructor, I would say that you made it. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I made it, baby. I've done it. <laughs> this is it now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's been a long time coming. I, so my first season I ever taught I taught in America when I was 19 um and I actually ended up having a knee injury on that first um season so I ended up tearing my meniscus which sucked and it was a long road to recovery from that because I at 19 years old I probably wasn't the best I should have been with physio and like rehab and everything recovering from it so it took a lot longer than it should have done so that kind of gave me a bit of a Two, it was like almost a two-year gap I had in my ski instructing career between that and then from then I was like okay cool I want to get back into skiing want to get stronger and then I want to start doing back-to-back seasons so I kind of kept going and going did different seasons then ended up in Canada and that's when I was like cool I'm in a good place now with my skiing like my fitness is back and everything and I want to start doing back-to-backs like wanted to have some salimas in Canada and then wanted to go into it and then obviously COVID hit so It's been like a long time coming. (laughs) I'm finally getting out there to, yeah, make a proper career of it and kind of go back to back between seasons and, you know, have it as a full time job instead of coming on the off season and trying to figure out what I'm going to do for the summer or whatever.
1: That is so sick. Having skied in so many different continents, I guess, have you noticed like a cultural difference in terms of how ski culture? arrives in different places like Europe versus Canada etc.
2: Oh yeah, like I'd say Canada is like way more relaxed as in like everyone's more in- I'd say every- it is more in- like inclusive like everyone is welcome. In Canada, like skiing and stuff, like definitely within the resorts and that, I feel like it's you know, snowboarders are allowed to like be flying around everywhere like skiers too and stuff and you get more like of a park scene in like Canada and places like that in Europe they do have parks and stuff when I was growing up skiing there but like it was more like on piste carving like super fast skiing and stuff like that and then the place that I've just been now in Georgia was just reckless It was just wild. It was literally like the Wild West out there. There was like no rules, (laughs) no like health and safety sort of things. It was just kind of, which is crazy. And I think it's because of in Canada and places like that, when I skied, I've always felt like super safe um, skiing around because like there's ski patrollers and everything like all over and you know there's a presence there and you feel safe and you know that if you get hurt or fall over, there's gonna be someone there to help you out. In Georgia, they didn't have anything like that um the police were the ones that owned the mountain and were the ones that were meant to be helping up there and it was yeah it was crazy <laughs> so there's definitely a massive difference in like Georgia compared to everywhere else that I've like ever skied before how um, oh,
1: heinous
2: yeah it was honestly our first few days we were teaching there I was like on the ski slope we hadn't the resort hadn't actually opened properly yet they had some snow but there wasn't enough snow to open the lifts and they were like cool we're just gonna start teaching on this like tiny little slope and I was like yeah cool that's fine we'll start teaching so we were like walking our clients up and down there was like stray dogs everywhere (laughs) fighting in the middle of where we were teaching then there was people on like skidoos and sleds whizzing up the side of us like up and down just like (laughs) it was just wild like we all just stood there looked around and we were like where are we what are we doing this is just crazy like trying to take it all (laughs) in yeah literally like nothing it was yeah it was crazy it was fun like it was an experience but um it was yeah wild
1: (laughs) yeah no doubt and kind of pivoting a little bit but not really being a skier in different areas where you know the microcosms of that culture or that environment are different have you felt any differences around what it is like to be a woman in these spaces depending on where you are or is it like disappointingly the same I'd say
2: (laughs) yeah it's been disappointingly the same um most places that we've been to which sucks like in Georgia I was a little worried like going there we just had a few friends that had worked there before and stuff and made comments on like how people could be quite sexist and stuff like that out there but luckily in Georgia it wasn't too bad I just had some run-ins with um who was meant to be my lead trainer within the ski school and had some run-ins with him which made it really hard to actually want to go to training and want to ski with him I had um yeah, it was the same in Canada too. Like we had ski school directors that just were—they just had no clue as to what what it was like to be a woman, obviously within the ski school industry itself and snow sports industry. But also, they didn't give us any leverage either to kind of help and like get out of that as well. So it was, you know, when you're dealing with people like your ski school directors or people that are meant to be your trainers and they're not giving you these tools to help you they're actually putting you down or making things harder for you you know it's difficult and I think myself and a lot of others were super sensitive when it comes to skiing I say sensitive we're just like we love it so much and it's our job that when we have people putting us down it's difficult to want to go out and better yourself and go to training and things like that when you're having these comments like thrown at you constantly like when I was in Georgia just gone my lead trainer made a comment to me one day when we'd finished the training session and we were just skiing down this last little bit and we were just like taking it easy because we were both like so tired super tired legs got to the bottom of the run and um he stopped and turned to me and luckily it was just me and him but he like turned around to me and he was like oh Nadine like there's there's two types of skiers out there in the world he was like there's a 10 year old skier, a 10 year old boy skier. And that's me pointing at himself. And then he was like, and then there's another type of skier which is a mum skier. And that's you, you're a mum skier. You're just very cautious and you know quite slow and you're a mum skier. And I was just sort like, how is that meant to like help me in any way at all with like my skiing or like my self-esteem or anything. Like it's just knocking me down massively. And it's like comments like that that we get continuously through like in the ski school from like our trainers like not all trainers are obviously like that it's only like a couple a handful but it's hard because then I was like the rest of the season I was like I don't really want to go on training anymore because I don't know what else he's going to say and you know it was like a continuous thing with him that comments were made and you know told me telling me that like another time he came in and said to me he was like I had a lesson that was meant to be his and I said to him I was like hey don't worry like I'm not actually taking that lesson anymore it's all good um they just want to do afternoon lessons or whatever and he was like oh yeah I don't really know how to say this to you he was like yeah but that kid fucking rips and uh like I think you're just too cautious and not fast enough to ski ski with him or teach him and just like things like that you're just like oh man like and at that point then I just lost it with him I was like I can't like you can't say things like that to someone you can't put us down especially someone who's meant to be a lead trainer you're meant to uplift people and make them feel better about themselves you're not meant to knock them to the ground and say you know that you can't teach it when then that's the thing like sometimes egos get in the way and I have to take a step back and I'm like yeah I can't teach that lesson you're right like that's a park lesson I'm not great in the park so you guys go teach that lesson but when it's something that I know I can definitely do and teach and I know that I can do it to a good standard and I've got someone just bashing me because I'm a mum skier and I'm not quick enough and too cautious of a skier it's like it's hard like it's shitty it makes it difficult for you to get up the next day and be like cool yeah I'm gonna go have a great day and be with these people and stuff like that so yeah it's definitely
1: it's also like his ego that is driving those comments or or their their ego driving those comments towards Mm -hmm. you because it's like that's So obviously to me, a person who feels as though their power is being threatened and so they need to say anything to tear you down to uphold this like perceived power Mm -hmm. dynamic between the two of you and like they're saying these things so that they can feel as though they're on top and like they're better and it's just, it's just fucked up and that's where we get stuck. Like that's where progression gets totally fucking lost because this person has no desire to acknowledge mm-hmm. the strengths in being a cautious skier or a yeah, quote unquote exactly. yeah. skier. like, f those comments. It, it doesn't even acknowledge like the. I have so many thoughts. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> it's just heinous. It's it's so. It's, it's so ridiculous what people will say when they feel as though they're like perceived power is mm-hmm. being threatened and they don't yeah. want to give up or share when they don't want to fucking share space. It's, it's yeah. I, like how much do you want to bet he doesn't say it or it was a man who was saying yeah. these things. Yeah, like, yeah how much do you want to bet he doesn't say that to other men? Like, yeah, and that's the thing
2: he wouldn't have done. Like it was never a problem with him and the other guys that worked there. It was... You know, he said to some of the other female instructors that I worked with, he also said to them, he was like, oh, you're just quite cautious skiers and stuff. And I was like, but that's not a bad thing. Like, yeah. that's not a yes. bad thing to be cautious. Like, I don't right. get it. Like, it yeah. just doesn't make sense to me when things like that are said.
0: And there's studies in terms of like ski touring about mm-hmm. about group dynamics and women being perceived as cautious or like even as guides like female guides being perceived as more cautious yeah. or in like people making assumptions based on that for how decisions are going to be made by their guide, whether it's a man or a woman mm-hmm. or like, first off, second point I've seen pictures of you ski and you're a strong skier. So I personally <laughs> freaking love mom turns because I love dad turns also like there's nothing better than carving up a groomer and making a really nice turn or skiing somehow and getting a good little like mom dad carve slash you know like that is not a diss (laughs)
2: that's the thing I said that as it's not a
0: diss to do a mom turn like
2: I was like there's nothing wrong with like I was like I just don't understand what how you're categorizing this and why you're putting that forward as if it's like some bad thing and like putting that into a space where it's like quote mum skiers as he sees it as like a bad thing or something and it's like it's like I don't get it it's just so like how someone can speak like that is just beyond me I don't understand that And my next point,
0: name a pro athlete whose coach is better at the sport than they are. Like, please, please (laughs) name one for me because
2: I will sit here and wait. (laughs) It just doesn't. Yeah, it's not. You don't
0: have to be a professional to coach someone who is good. Yeah, You just have to know how to teach. And that's a totally different thing. You can Mm -hmm. be the best skier in the world, but suck at teaching skiing.
1: Which sounds like this guy just doesn't like maybe sucks at teaching people because he hasn't yeah. taught you a single freaking thing with this feedback. Like no. yeah. I have more and, concerns about their ability to teach which yeah. this is how they're coming and that you was know, just. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And following up on that too, because like, I've done my coaching certification because I coached free ride mm.
1: and one of
0: my really good friends in Vancouver, shout out Rachel, because I know she listens to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is a ski instructor. And we were on the chairlift one day with uh, another girl that I had coached with at the same club. And we're used to coaching kids who have already skied for several years. They can ski pretty much anywhere on the mountain. So you're beyond the teaching them how to ski and you're at the point of teaching them how to ski well, how to pick out lines, how to hold themselves in the air, etc. And uh, my friend was saying how she had brought her roommate skiing, and her roommate was so brand new to skiing, and she actually struggled at teaching her how to put her skis parallel and not pizza and just the basics of carving, which mm-hmm. is kind of where you start like start out with a lot of people. Yeah. And then Rachel's explaining to us, oh, well, like these are the drills that you would do, and this is how you explain it to someone. So even though we had done coaching courses, we had become so accustomed to coaching kids that were already strong that you, and you've been skiing for long enough that you forget what it's like to be that person yeah. and you don't actually know how to teach that mm-hmm. person the basics. So yeah. it's not about how good you are. It's how good you are at skiing. It doesn't yeah. matter what the skill level you're dealing with is too. Like you have no. to, have to give the instruction at a level that the person who's receiving it can understand it it doesn't matter your skill level their skill level like it's about being a teacher
2: it's all about finding the different ways that people like take information on as well like there's some people that I can explain it to them and speak it to them and they'll get it like that but I have other people that I have to like show them quite a few times exactly what I want them to do like with the skiing and some people just can't quite grasp that and they don't understand that there's so many different ways that people can learn and that's how people react to different like you know like criticism and stuff like that like with this guy I was like I can take criticism like I can take that but I need it to be constructive in some way or you need to show me how I can improve by just shitting on me is not gonna help in any way shape or form so yeah it's definitely it's definitely a skill that with ski instructing you have to be a people person for sure (laughs) you have to be able to adapt and figure out different ways to teach old kinds lessons
1: and like with skateboarding for example when I first started skateboarding I was going with like late bloomer skate club which is based in Mm -hmm. Vancouver and They were always the biggest advocates of, like, the best people to teach skateboarding are people who are brand new to skateboarding. Yeah. So, like, people who have just learned are actually the best teachers, (laughs) especially when you're, like, in this older age demographic. Like, this is, like, mid-20s plus kind of area, people who had never skateboarded before. And it's, like, the best people to teach are actually the people who just learned how to push Mm. last week because – For them it's so fresh and like they're very aware of how their body like learned to do this brand new thing and so they can articulate it and like meet somebody who is brand new at that exact same understanding and like with that same kindness and grace that anybody learning to do something is Mm -hmm. appreciative of.
2: Yeah because that's what we so this season just gone I went out on a snowboard with one of my friends who's a snowboard instructor and I'm suck at snowboarding like I'm not good at all but I was like I wanted to go out with him one to just try and get better at it as well and like have some fun but also being on that snowboarding you know I'm falling over constantly like it's so difficult to get up and down and I'm terrified like I will literally go to start a turn on a snowboard and I'm like nope and I'm on the like tiniest little like nursery slope like easy easy beginner terrain and I am terrified but doing that kind of helped me when I went back into teaching and I'm teaching beginners again I realize you know it is scary it's terrifying like to learn a new skill like that and you're sliding down a slope to you you feel like you're going like a million miles per hour and really you're like only tiny like trickling down the slope but it was good to get on a board and scare myself again and be a beginner to when I go teach my lessons to realize you know it is difficult and when they're like so tired from getting up and down I was like of course they are like it's a new sport your whole body hurts when you're learning it because you're falling over so it's definitely good to like for me myself as well to push myself and try new things so I kind of get that knock and I realize what it is like to be a beginner again and it definitely helps with teaching to take that step back and put myself in their shoes to see what they're going through when I'm teaching them and how difficult it is to learn a new skill.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so much humility with that beginner's mindset Mm -hmm. when you forget what it is like. And I know like Indra and I have both experienced it, learning to mountain bike and then with learning to sled, like like being a beginner at something again. But it's also so refreshing too because Mm -hmm. once you've been doing something for a while, you kind of stall out a little bit more in your progression because it's easier to learn something new and get pretty okay at it. But it's harder to go from pretty okay to expert and that is the more difficult part of the progression so when you start something new and you are seeing your progression so much every single time is really fulfilling but I don't know that was just a little bit of an aside
2: (laughs) (laughs) no it is it's fun to like push yourself and try new things like you said it is it's refreshing and I like to scare myself a little bit (laughs) so like when I'm skiing and just like cruising around I feel like I enjoy pushing myself out of the comfort zone but sometimes because I've been skiing for so long that means doing bigger scarier things which I'm like terrified of whereas like learning something new like snowboarding for me that's terrifying I'm like sliding down a green slope, and I'm like oh this is terrifying coming down so it's like fun to switch it up every now and then definitely
0: when it comes to instructing mm-hmm. um and like i honestly like don't know that much about it like i know there's different levels and i know that the further on you go with the levels i don't know if like prestigious is the right word but it becomes more and more difficult to attain that level because you need like a certain finesse in your skiing and technical abilities So like how how does it work and um what are like the paths towards becoming a ski instructor and advancing in sk- ski instructor world for so, people who do want to get into it or or try it as a career or kind of like what yes. does that look like
2: so to start off like just from like scratch becoming a ski instructor um you need to have obviously some of skill with skiing nothing major like you don't need to be like insanely good or anything like that at all you just need to be able to kind of do basic parallel turns I'd say so you can go on to do your level one um, exam but you could do training within like a lot of ski schools offer training Um, there's some kind of like uh, ones where you can go in train within the ski school and then train towards your level one to do that exam so you have to be I know in like Canada, uh, New Zealand, places like that you have to be qualified from the get-go to be able to actually like teach in a ski school so once you've got your level one you can teach with within ski schools there um, so level one you'll be mainly teaching sort of like beginner lessons, um, starting to teach um, like parallel turns from that and then From then, you can go train towards your level two. So when I say like level one and level two, you'll have to sit an exam for each one. So like the level one, I'm Canadian certified. So for my level one, what I can remember, um, I did, I think it was a two or three day exam. You have to do like different modules for it. Um, And then you sit your exam, you do some teachers in that exam. So it'll be like teaching beginners. So you do it on the other peers within your group. And then you do, you get assessed on your skiing also. So that could be, it's like with your level one, it's on easier terrain. So you'd be doing it up to, I think it's like blues. Um, They just assess you on the different turn shapes. So you do short turns and like longer turns and you'll just be being assessed continuously throughout that exam. Then moving on to like your level two um, is kind kind of upping the level that you're going to be teaching to. So it's more to like an intermediate level so you again could train through a ski school if you've already got your level one um like when i was working at big white they were great for training they'd do morning sessions which you could go on before you started your lessons and they'd have their level three or four trainers teaching you all these different things um and then you can train towards doing your level two they also did like afternoon sessions and things like that which was perfect when it was like not that busy in the season level two exam from what i can remember when i did that was a two day kind of like practicing teaching you weren't necessarily being like examined at this bit and you were just practicing your or skiing and your teaching and then the next two days was like the exam that you were being assessed on your skiing and your teaching again the teachers were only very short that we did it was kind of just within our group and you'd be teaching like um intermediate like parallel and stuff with yeah, using different drills and things like that that they can see you know what you're talking about and what you're looking out for and how people can improve their skiing um, as well as your skiing you are taking on to some harder terrain um, and just being assessed so you just have to continuously through the exams show that you can ski to that ability constantly on different terrain that they put you on the level three is a massive jump up within the canadian system um, that's what i'm training towards now So again it's the same sort of setup with I think it's like four or five day for like an exam and then you've just everything like that but it's to a higher level it's more towards advanced teaching and you're you know being put on bumps and skiing bumps and teaching bumps and all of that and then it goes on to your level four and that's obviously even even harder that's like way out of my reach at the moment but Once you get to like a level three and level four standard, you can then become a trainer and you can do exams to become a trainer where you can then teach other instructors and things like that to, to better themselves, which is awesome. But yeah, there's so many. Now when I look at it, I did the gap course when I was 18. So I went out to Canada for three months and trained to be the ski instructor and did level one and level two. Now being in the position that I'm in now and working within ski schools, I was like oh you can actually most ski schools if you message them and speak to them and if you have like the visas to go work wherever some of them will take you on if you're saying that you'll do a level one exam right at the beginning of the season and if you're willing to train do your level one then they'll take you on to work within the ski school and then you can do the training through the ski school to get your level two and things like that but there's definitely as it goes up the levels it gets a lot harder and it, there's not many people that get to like a level four standard Um, there's quite a few people that we know just now that have just passed their level four so that's like amazing they've done awesome to get it because for me looking at level four I'm like that's hard (laughs) that is difficult to get to that standard but it's good because you're constantly through your skiing career pushing yourself and training towards something you know there's always something to improve on which is awesome it's really good
0: Yeah, it's the the I don't know what the word I'm looking for is here, but the way that it's all laid out really makes you progress to a certain standard with your own skiing. So even when you're skiing on your own free skiing, you still have something that you're aspiring towards and there is a ladder that you can climb.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Which is it's it's there's like positives and negatives to it always because I feel like for myself sometimes when I go out free skiing if I've been training a lot I end up like beating myself up a lot when I go out free skiing because I'm like oh that didn't feel good or oh I didn't like the way my turns were just then because I've been training so hard and I get into that mentality that sometimes I struggle to almost have fun when I'm out just free skiing and I'm like sometimes I need to take a step back and just relax and be like it's fine like let's just go have a free ski and go have fun and not care about like all that training I've done because it is it's difficult and I think when you're in uniform and you're out skiing you feel like you have to be this dead set way and look perfect and clean and crisp and everything with your skiing for everyone else to see so sometimes you do you you you're hard on yourself which is it's difficult at times but then in the other side of it it's good because it pushes you to be like even better and strive towards something that you you know there's so many things to improve on constantly it's just finding that balance where it's (laughs) you're not beating yourself up constantly even when you're free skiing yeah we're Mm -hmm. still having fun yeah exactly
1: okay on that topic of having fun maybe this question is something you both can answer (laughs) but um Nadine you're gonna go and do two back-to-back seasons how do you stay engaged with skiing? Because I like have already broken up with it for this season. I'm riding my bike. I'm over it. And I love skiing. And I have not been to Whistler in like probably a month and it's still dumping. And I just like, don't want to do it. So like, and I would love to, I'd love to still be down to ski, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm good. Like we're going to go for a few months. Like I'll ride my bike until. December how do you um how do you maintain a healthy relationship with the sport when it's both your career and something that you love doing and want to have fun with it
2: I think for me like luckily in between seasons you obviously like at the moment we've got kind of like a month two months we've got before I'll be back on my skis so I take this moment now as like my summer (laughs) like this Mm. is for me to like go out like have a mini holiday like Go out running and stuff like that when I'm not like stuck up a mountain, like where there's snow and I can't go for a run or anything like that. But I think for me, because it's my job and I love teaching people to ski, when I don't do it for so long, and especially when I've done where I've had a summer and people have gone away and done a Southern Hemisphere season, I've seen my friends in New Zealand and I've seen them teaching and then I'm just like longing to be doing that again like Mm. I'm working like I'm nannying or I'm working in a restaurant and I'm looking at these people skiing I'm like I want to be back out there like that's what I want to do I think for me it's just that's what I love to do I love teaching people to ski and it's just so rewarding for me too that when I don't do it for like a month I miss it and that's what I want to get out Mm. and do again so for me having like a little break and having my kind of mini summer now like springtime summer now this is great and then getting back to the winter and getting back to the snow as soon as I'm like involved in it all and like jump straight back in it'll be as if summer's forgotten that's it I'm like back in skiing mode then that's what all I want to do so but I think it is hard to like definitely within ski seasons it's hard to find the balance and making sure that we take time for ourselves also like the season that we just finished in Georgia you can get burnt out and you work for like months straight at a time so like in Georgia the whole of February we were like working solidly like we were on snow for seven hours a day like solid work and like walking to and from work in the snow and stuff and you get to a point where like everything is just like bugging you and frustrating and you have to just take a moment step back and be like, I'm only feeling like this because I'm like tired, burnt out. Like I don't hate skiing, (laughs) I don't hate instructing. It's like, I just need to take a moment, take some days for myself to actually go out and have some fun skiing. So like we did, we took, after we'd finished the busy period, we actually went down to like the city down from the mountain took two days down there kind of came back reset and then went off skiing for ourselves and just did whatever we wanted to do like I was like I just want to cruise I don't want to ski hard I just want to like take some time to like relax and let my body recover from the chaos that February was but it's hard you don't realize those burn like burnouts are coming until you're kind of like at that point of like burning out with skiing but it's just remembering that you you know your body's tired and that's why you're feeling (laughs) this way it's not that you hate skiing and you don't want to do it anymore it's you're just actually exhausted. burnt out
0: yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and what I've experienced out here the last couple of years I think COVID is like such a big factor in it too this mm. kind of more like love hate that I've had with skiing and I've honestly struggled a lot with the vibe at Whistler personally mm. it's been really tough. For me, I'm with Indra, yeah. like I, I'm riding my bike and freaking loving it.
2: So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to get into. Maybe I need to try some mountain biking and then I'm going to be like, wait, yeah. I want a summer now. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to do back to back. I want to do mountain biking. I love I
0: season Disney- so much because I was like full on skiing, skiing yeah. only. And yeah. mountain biking when I started was just a way for me to survive summer because I would just get miserable by October because yeah. I wanted to ski so bad and I miss skiing so much like I would actually be like really sad in the fall mm. because I was so desperate to ski. And yeah. now that I have mountain biking, every single year I just get better at mountain biking and I like it more and more and I enjoy being in the forest with my friends by myself nice. like it's just so peaceful and lovely and I like to go fast whether I'm on skis or on my (laughs) bike and I like to hit jumps and be in the air that it's really like the flow state you get into is very similar, I think. And that's why I like it so much.
1: But I it, also think like the time like yeah. the time it takes to go for a bike ride and like the convenience factor, like so much Renee, more
0: convenient. We're
1: both <laughs> super privileged in the sense that like the trails are basically our backyard. Right, like yeah. I, Absolutely. I, I drive like put my bike in my car and drive like 15 minutes and I'm at a trail network. Renee, nice. you can bike from your house. Yeah, I don't, I don't even have, have to good. drive I if I want to. want to. I just don't want to bike up the hill. Um, <laughs> so I drive. But like the other day I, I was planning on going skiing and then i was like well no because it's a 45 minute drive to whistler and then it's just like a whole fucking thing and then i have to drive home and maybe there's traffic and then like gas is expensive yeah it's just like well just hop on my freaking bike and like it's a two-hour grind like you can get a real good workout in and then like Mm -hmm. go and grab beers with your buddies in the sunshine (laughs) and then like go home and read a book like it really fulfills all the extraversion and activity that I want to do, and then like yeah. the introversion, I want to read a book or <laughs> write in my journal. You know, I don't know, I don't know. Um, so maybe we've we've planted a seed. Yeah, maybe to, that's what. But I, I, I to it.
2: Wanaka too like I have a friend out there my friend Bria she loves mountain biking like she's from New Zealand she's grown up there Mm -hmm. and she loves Wanaka because even in the winter like when it's a like milder maybe more so coming towards the springtime in Wanaka she could be skiing up on the mountain but then she can come down and she can still mountain bike so I know for her that's why she loves being there because she could still get out on her bike because there's not necessarily loads of snow down in Wanaka Absolutely. itself so I'm like maybe this is the year maybe I'm gonna get into mountain
1: biking yeah, we were on think... bikes in like February yeah. this year yeah like. oh yeah nice which That's that was yeah that was something
0: I loved about Wanaka myself too because the snow line you hit it when you're driving up yeah. and the roads to get up to the um they don't call them ski resort like they call they have a different word that they use for the ski fields that's what they call them yeah they call them ski fields but anyway you hit the snow line as you're going up these sketchy ass little roads (laughs) which (laughs) you'll see what I mean but I was there in um August to September Mm. and it was so nice in the valley and we would sit by the lake we were playing frisbee golf like you're having full springtime vibes down in Wanaka itself, but nice. then you are skiing good snow up high. Yeah. Like I had a pow day while I was there too. and oh, sweet. It was like really good skiing, and then actually just nice, warm, comfortable temperatures by it's the like lake. It's a dream. At the <laughs> skiing in the day and
2: then like relaxing by the lake in the afternoon absolutely
0: and it's like said too like we're gonna plant the skied for mountain biking for you because yeah you can (laughs) mountain bike with only a couple hours in your day but if you want to go skiing it's it takes a whole whole day and that's what is kind of hard sometimes (laughs) yeah yeah um one thing that I wanted to ask you specifically Mm -hmm. is Having worked as a ski patroller, I felt like there was certain vibes that people have perceptions that people have towards ski instructing. And I think you're here to dispel those. Yeah. (laughs) I'm embarrassed for myself that I subscribed to these things, but people like as a patroller, sometimes we would look down on ski instructors as not being as good as pro patrollers, like pro pro patrollers have an ego vibe for sure not all of them (laughs) but like the difference between paid patrol and volunteer patrol and Mm -hmm. ski instructors we used to have this joke that all of the ski friends so like the volunteer people who are like mostly like older folks that just show people around like which runs they should do they would always wear jackets at Lake Louise and we had this running joke that they were all swingers because a lot of them were like (laughs) kind of odd (laughs) like these are things that like people would say all the time on patrol and it's just like now I look back and I'm like wow like all of these things were not it like why I didn't realize how much I um, subscribed to that culture because I was trying so hard to fit in and yeah and to be a part of it. And now I'm like, I just hate my younger self.
2: yeah, (laughs) Yeah, we've had it. I think as well, like a lot of, you know, we've had lifties and stuff that have spoken to us and they've been like, oh, you guys are actually really nice. Like we thought you guys like didn't like any of us and you all thought you were too good for us and didn't want to like speak to us in the bars or like even like chat to us when you're out skiing and I was like no we're like we don't hate you guys like we we like appreciate like everyone that works on the lifts like the ski patrollers everything like anyone to do with mountain operations they make our lives way easier like on a day-to-day basis like if I didn't have like the lifties helping me with like three little like toddlers trying to get them onto a chairlift I'd be screwed like trying to pick up kids at once like putting them on like they help us so much and I don't think they realize like that we really do appreciate what they do and even ski patrollers like oh my god the amount of times that I've like had panics with you know one of my clients has hurt themselves in some way or another And ski patrollers have come over and been so lovely because they've also been trying to calm me down whilst also like helping one of my clients that's hurt themselves. Like it's been great. But there is this perception that we think, you know, ski instructors think they're like the big dogs in the mountain. And, you know, we look down on everyone and we don't actually like, you know, we have the best job there. But like, you know, that's not the case like we need everyone else to like help us and we appreciate it so much so it's definitely a thing that we're trying to you know actually bring those different departments within a ski area together and i know that ski schools and stuff are starting to do that and like starting to include the others because it can be segregated a little bit where you have like the lift operations and then you have like ski patrol and it's all it is all separate bits but trying to bring them together at big white we did a big hockey tournament um there'd be a big ice hockey tournament on the ice skating rink just down in happy valley and you would have the different groups, but it was great because everyone came together and it was just, like, you're all the same when you're on the, like, hockey rink. Like, you know, we were awful. <laughs> Ski school were, like, not the best. Patrollers, great. <laughs> they were, like, beating everyone. But, yeah, there's definitely a side of it where people think that we look down on people and it's not the case. We're trying to definitely get past that, for sure.
0: Yeah, like... <laughs> ski resort cliquey politic bullshit oh
2: yeah it sucks (laughs) like that whole side of things is just it's hard to like navigate through especially when you're trying to in ski schools and ski resorts itself when you're trying to set up new like programs and stuff I've been trying to set up um, like kind of like women's camp ski things and things like that and it's so difficult with like ski school politics and who can bring in new ideas and things like that. It's really difficult to like navigate through that and find pathways to to be able to do certain things within the, the industry itself.
0: And I think even just having ski instructing as a career because whether you work at a resort or not, there's also the perception, which like is not necessarily untrue Because loads of people work at ski resorts as 18, 19, 20 year olds as their gap year and they go and they party and like, it's not a lie. But then once you get past those ages and like yourself, you're actually making a career out of this and you're shooting for your level three, your level four, Mm -hmm. and you're wanting to do back to back seasons. Like the fact that people might think one thing about you because lots of people do this as a gap year yeah. and then move along, also is potentially harmful to, to this as a career. And for patrol, I can speak to patrolling because I, I did it for years, like my gap year in between my first degree and going to nursing school. But in Europe, patrolling is actually taken a lot more seriously, mm-hmm. where you can actually go to school and do courses to be a professional patroller.
2: Right.
0: Whereas Canada, I mean, that's like a whole rabbit hole. I could go down. You (laughs) don't get paid well. And that's a big thing in North America, just in general this year, Mm -hmm. people have really been making noise about how little patrollers are getting paid, but your courses are so expensive. And like, I don't know how much it costs to do a level three, for example, but I imagine it's several hundred dollars to do the test. Yeah and you're the one that's footing that bill no no one's paying for your avalanche courses sometimes if you've worked for several years but like an ops level one is like a thousand dollars
2: yeah it's crazy (laughs) it's like trying to like we were the same working in Canada was like the least we've been paid as instructors was in Canada and like it must be the same like in Europe instructors get paid really well because it is it's like a career out there for them they like it's recognized more so as that is someone's full-time career but I've had people say to me they're like oh when are you gonna get a real job or when are you gonna settle down and when are you gonna and that's difficult when it's like your friends saying it to you as well when they don't recognize it as being you know quote-unquote a real job like you know they don't see it as being an actual career and this is what I'm going to do I think people still think of it as like that whole kind of ski bum lifestyle which is great and like so much fun but that's what they think the whole thing is and like that's what I'm still doing now I think is they think I'm out partying every single day and turning up to work super hungover and I'm like oh, I can't do that I can't teach five five-year-old kids to <laughs> when I'm like super hungover that is not a not a fun day for me so yeah it's difficult and there's definitely this culture around ski instructors that people do think it's like the 80s still and we're going out getting wrecked all the time and not actually training towards anything but when you actually look at a ski school and the people that are pushing towards their level threes um, and level fours, they're kind of stepping out of that category of people who are just partying all the time. Don't get me wrong. Like we still go out and party and we have a great time, (laughs) but a lot more of it is focused towards the training side of things and wanting to better ourselves and, you know, really push to get these other qualifications to, to be able to do it full time and work our way up.
1: And who doesn't still go out and party? Like, come on. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> why aren't we talking about the finance pros if we're going to yeah. talk about people who are partying off the yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's like, it's difficult because I'm like, of course we go out and have fun. But we've had like people turn up to us like quite often when I've been teaching clients and they're like, oh, were you out late last night? Were you like out partying? And I'm like, no actually I went to bed at like nine o'clock in the evening because I'm tired from being on snow all day (laughs) and I've had to teach you like that's just what it's a normal job like I wouldn't go up to someone in the office and be like oh it was a Tuesday night last night were you out until like 4 a.m like partying because like yeah they might have been but like nine times out of ten no they've had an early night too because they've had a meeting at 8 a.m or whatever but yeah for us it was I think it's just it's definitely still a, a thing a stigma around it that people think that ski instructors are just like hardcore <laughs> partying like all the time
1: <laughs> which like some probably are but we oh, don't yeah. and some everybody can in a box it. yeah <laughs> no, and
2: some can hack it and do it great and I look yeah. at them and I'm like well done <laughs> like you have taught that lesson perfectly and I know you were out till whatever time last night but for me like yeah. it's just I can't do that anymore I can't and I think as well when you're in that headspace of wanting to really strive towards training and bettering yourself and also like being fit and healthy it is hard to have a really good balance on that when mm. you're in ski towns if you're going out you're like going all out <laughs> it's yeah. just like it's nicer to just like take a step back as well as I've got older and enjoy beers after work and stuff like that but be able yeah. to still go to bed at a good time and get up early to go training finding yeah and like
1: yeah like not needing to be horizontal the entire next day yeah because yeah exactly is too hard yeah <laughs> uh well Nadine thank you so much you uh you did some myth busting today we really appreciate yeah, it. absolutely. <laughs> all, these, all these stigmas
2: yeah trying to get it out there trying to clear it up a little bit here yeah
1: love it was there anything else before we uh before we wrap this up was there anything else you wanted to to chat about any other myths you want to bust yeah any um,
0: like parting advice for people who want to try ski instructing yeah. or, or like, would, your favorite place that you've been to to instruct yeah. t- tell people to go there I don't know <laughs> what do you, you want to leave us with
2: <laughs> I feel like so with instructing like do it if you want to be a ski instructor like 100% do it because you don't have to do it for like forever you don't have to do it for like you Mm. can go do one season instructing like you don't have to make it your career if you don't want to or you might do one season and end up loving it and be stuck in it like I am (laughs) so I would say like for sure jump into it if it's what you want to do because it it is easy to get into if you are already involved in skiing if you have a local hill for sure go speak to the ski school there and they'll probably give you a way in to actually getting into it and stuff like that but that being said as well it has made things easier for me when it comes to traveling because I know I've always got a set job you know I have these contracts put towards me like I'm in the UK and I've had my contract come through for New Zealand and I can go out there and I know I've got a stable job when I get there so I can be traveling but working at the same time and you get to live in all these cool places like you get to live in the mountains all over the world I would say one place to get out to is Japan. It is just insane. Like, the snow is crazy. The people are great. The food is awesome. Like, if there's one place to go instruct or, like, even just a visit to ski or snowboard, it's Japan because it's just wild. It's just insane. I've never seen so much snow in my whole life.
0: Oh, so before we go, can you let everyone know where to find you? If they have any so- questions.
2: <laughs> So my Instagram is at Nadine Wheelhouse underscore. Um, Any questions or anything, like I'd be happy to answer anything, any queries or anything anyone has about ski instructing or places to visit, like about, you know, how to get places, where to stay and stuff in the places I've been. I love talking about it and giving information and stuff. So yeah, that's where you can find me.
0: Thanks for coming on. It was awesome to be able to. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, like Indra said, myth
2: busters. Yeah. <laughs> Getting down to it.
1: Put that on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, your next
0: job interview. Please see episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'll be like, just
2: listen to this and then it's all good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> awesome, Well, Nadine. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank
2: you. It's been awesome speaking to you both. And
1: hopefully we
2: can ski together one time. Somewhere in the world, fingers crossed. One Japan. Time. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Trip to Japan. It down. down. <laughs>